good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alexander, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, if you two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? A 225 will get you here from anywhere That's inside right. the continental United States this morning. Temporarily back to our old number. We are. For some reason, Cox just can't seem to get that other one straight. I don't know what's <laughs> going on there. Ah, There's going to be a major investigation this week. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> that I am sure. First thing yeah. Monday morning. That's I'm right. Gonna... We're going to find out what's going on with that. But interim, if you'll try, that should get you right on in to us and got both our minds wide open and fresh and rested from yeah hard work <laughs> well you know i slept late this morning so oh yeah i get to about 5 30 so oh I'm, well i'm pretty clear-minded oh, here, yeah boy. you're just bouncing off the walls oh, now that's, ain't it. You? that's it you give me a call i'm gonna answer whatever you got boy <laughs> <laughs> just don't ask me to answer the world piece i don't know what to handle that one, i would have to leave that to the miss america that's right any automotive questions right? I can, those i can handle okay <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you don't get a chance to call in or something occurred to you later on during the week. You know. Even midnight one night That's right. while we're not on the air, That's you can right. always go to our website and get your questions answered that way. That's right. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that is a great company. There you go. That will get you to our site, and there's a contact bar on each and every page. Just fill out the form and send it on in. That's right, and that'll be the not only the best way, but the only way to get in touch with us during the week. Right. I have folks sometimes will call me at the shop or call the shop, and they'll say, well, I need to talk to Lewis. And the folks who answer the phone can handle any question you got. That's right. Because they can tell you what our charge per hour is, how we do things, when we can look at all that, which is really the only question we can answer on the phone anyway. But if sure. you have a general question, you just need some information, you need to send me an email because I can't come to the phone. Because I'm there working on folks' cars, and that takes 100% of my time, and that's people who are paying my salary, so I just can't stop and doing what I'm doing. Even better yet, just go to the website and yeah. type in the search bar what you're hunting for, and more than likely you're well, going to find you what you need. you may find the question already answered, and if you don't, you send me an email. I get an answer right straight back to you. But other than that, folks who answer the phone over at Agco can answer any questions you might have. There you go. When we can do it and how we can do it and what we can do and what we can't do. There you go. So that's the way we handle that. <laughs> We're going to our phone lines with Scott. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. Yes, sir. 03 Camry, 198,000 miles, open to get another 100 out of it. Okay. I've been taking care of it for the last 100 since I've owned it, like, uh, as you directed. Mm -hmm. The check engine light a few months ago, six months ago, would would come on and off. I brought it in. You ran the code. Mm -hmm. And you said it was something that was related to the catalytic converter. And there would come a point in time where the light would stay on. And we're at that point. Okay. Uh, I've heard you say in the past that catalytics are super expensive. They are. Not be worth blah, blah, blah. So I just kind of did a just a little short search online, and I found them anywhere from, depending on the correct one mm-hmm. for this model, which I didn't get in that far, two to two to 500 bucks. Yes, sir. I'm curious if I know your experience with buying a new one that might not necessarily be from Toyota, and I haven't called Toyota mm-hmm. yet to price it, mm-hmm. but I want to keep the car. I'm just trying to, the eighth month is when, when my inspection comes due. Yes, right, mm-hmm. so, right. You know, I'm looking down the pipe. At yes, as far as buying an aftermarket converter, Scott, you just soon take $300 and go bury it out in your yard somewhere. You absolutely waste your money. Uh-huh. It's right. not going to hold up any time at all. may not turn the light out. When it's brand new, if it does, coming right back on, you're absolutely throwing your money away. Right. If you just got to do it, go ahead and do it and find out, and then you'll know. But I'm telling mm-hmm. you, it ain't going to work. I've been doing this 45 right. years. I have changed right. hundreds of those converters. 
that's why I called you. We'll not do it. We'll not hold up. The reason that those cost two hundred dollars and the one from Toyota cost nine hundred dollars is because they're different. Right. And most time they don't even turn the light out right off the get go. Some of them will turn it off temporarily and it's going to come back. Right. But you're pretty much throwing your money away. I yeah. mean, that's somebody who. Hey, I'm going to get the light off, and I'm going to go sell the car. Okay, well, right. whatever. That's you, the way you operate fine. But Yeah, you compare an apples to oranges yeah. there. Yeah, it's, but, uh, they're one, not the same ain't problem. Gonna ain't going to work. One from Toyota would, mm-hmm. would work. Yes, sir. Yes, absolutely. And, and it may I, be more than one on that car. Right. So you got to right. know which well, one it is. Some of them have one on the part of the exhaust manifold, which is not that expensive. Those are in the $350 range. Right. And then some of them have another one behind that. It just depends on what engine and how that one's set up and so on. So you can need to find out which converter or converters it is and then find out from Toyota what they get for it. Most time, the labor to replace them is not very much. And it's, it's going to be a direct bolt-in part. There's going to be no right modification, up. no nothing. Now, with an aftermarket one, you may have to make some modifications mm-hmm. to make it actually fit the car. Well, and what happens, people go in, they cut, and they do this, and they weld, and they put this junk in there. And then when it goes bad, now you got to buy an A-pipe and a manifold because you didn't ruin the that. The flanges are gone up. and everything else. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. Yeah, well, my plan was to make an appointment with you, come in, let you check it again. Yeah, and to see which one it is. Have you tell me exactly the details I yes, needed, mm-hmm. you know, to take it to Toyota, get the part, and then come back? Yeah, you can do that, or we can get it for you. It'd be the same exact price. Yeah. We, we yeah. charge the same thing Toyota does. Okay. Now, you got to remember, too, Scott, there's only one light, and there's roughly 2,000 things that can turn it on. So right. if it's been on for six months... It could have three more things that have occurred in that meantime, right. and you wouldn't right. know. So Which really important to know all that, yeah. So yeah. you don't want to just go in there and start doing Because let's say an auction sensor has gone bad now. Well, you go get a converter, you put it on, it right. takes out the new converter because the auction sensor is not reading right. 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 So, yeah, you, you're doing the right thing. Get a check and then go back with the proper part. It's always going to be cheaper. That's the cheapest all way right. to go. What do you think about drill a hole in the, the dash? The, the plastic dash cover, get a black sharpie and cover up that check engine light. <laughs> Good work if you can get it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, that, that light has to check when you go to the inspection yeah. station. I know. I so, know. yeah, it's kind of a, a moot point unless you just <laughs> yeah. don't like seeing the light. Yeah, yeah. A piece of black tape on the dash work just yeah. good. So, yeah. so they would be able to tell regardless of where Absolutely. Right. Up. Yeah, that light, light ain't got nothing to do with it. Well, as soon as they plug in, it's going to say mill right. commanded on. And if the bulb isn't in yeah. or not working, it's going to fail you for that reason, too. Right. right. Okay. Alrighty. All right. Thanks. All right, sir. Kyle will be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. You know, that inspection thing has gotten a lot more complicated in the last, what, 10 years? Yeah, well, from 1996 up, it's pretty much foolproof. And what they did is they brought SAE, the Society of Automotive Engineers, in, and they formulated how this was going to operate. And these guys are no fools. I mean, they know how all this stuff needs to go. So what it does as a very basic overview is that, when the light comes on, there's a code stored in memory. And the light may go off if it's not running that test. However, that Correct. code is still in memory. Correct. So if you go down with a code in memory, you're going to fail. If you disconnect the battery and clear the codes, it's going to clear what they call the IM test. The readiness test. All the tests that it has to complete. Now, it's going to start trying to repass these tests. If you go down there right away, they're going to tell you the tests are incomplete, so you fail. Sure. If you wait for the test to complete and it fails the test again, you're going to not get it in anyway. So exactly. it's not like you're going to just go in there and fool them or you're going to do this or do that. And the whole point, in my opinion, is that the check engine light is not your enemy. It's not something to try to get around. That's right. like saying, well, I'm going to get around the smoke alarm in my house. Okay. Okay, so you burn up, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to exactly. take the batteries out of smoke along because it keeps going on. Why don't you find out why it keeps going off? You right. Because I don't yeah. want to burn up in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> right. This light is on to help you get the 
it this problem that light fixed. is an early warning system for your benefit to save you money down the road by telling you something is wrong. Correct. And that's the way you have to look at it. You can't look at it as well. What can I do to get around it? No, there's not a way to get around it. It is designed into the car. The newer cars are even far more complex sure. than that. So you're not going to get around it. So you might as well embrace it and say, hey, this light's trying to help me. It's trying to save me money. Right. Let's Which get this is what fixed. it's doing. Let's get this fixed Let's and, and get on down the road. Get it fixed. Get on down the road. It's just part of the cost of getting on, down the road. That's it. <laughs> if not, you go get a cab, but, I mean, you go figure out pretty quick how much that costs. Oh, yeah. So, Let's go back to the phone lines of Richie. Good morning, Richie. Good morning, guys. I've got a 99 Ford F-150 extended cab. Okay. And my third door or rear door per se mm-hmm. on the driver's side and the passenger side now won't open yes sir. Okay. that's pretty common on that richie is it okay. yes it well, is what's my fix? almost every time there is a handle that opens the door and the cable on the back of that handle will break and so yes. it won't release does it kind of release partially like the bottom comes loose but not the top or the top comes loose not the bottom well, I'm going to say neither, but yeah. you know, I do pull the handle, and, of course, nothing moves. Correct. So now, right. there's actually two cables. Sometimes both of them will break, and absolutely nothing will happen. Sometimes the bottom will release and not the top. Sometimes the top sure. release, not the bottom. But it just depends on how it breaks inside. That's right. But they are absolutely notorious for those cables breaking. Kind of okay. a funky design. It's plastic and all that. Right. Not real hard repair. If I remember, one cable is fairly reasonable. The other one's fairly expensive. But we change them all the time. Yeah, the hardest, just, the hardest part is actually getting inside the door and getting the door open. Open yeah, once it's shut. Yeah, and that's not too too bad on that one. But you got to pull the door panel and stuff, getting into some rivets and stuff. You have to drill out to get it out. Not a big deal. Okay, so I can take this to you guys, and you guys can Absolutely. take a look at it. Yes, sir. Shot. Absolutely. Fantastic. It'll probably be there on Monday. Okay, Richie. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you. Bye bye. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, and we got Kirk online. Good morning, Kirk. Yes, sir. I have a 07 Silverado 2500. Okay. The dual air conditioning control, the driver's side doesn't seem to want to work all the time. It goes to heat and stuff. Yeah, blows hot air instead of cold. Right. Like heater yeah. air. Yeah, and, you you know, I can raise the yes. temperature and go back down. Sometimes it'll start. Yeah, or that'll turn the key off, turn it back on, it'll probably reset. But that's some, some type of relay. Or no, not at all. It's what they call an actuator. There's four of them, and that's the left side temperature actuator. What it'll do, it'll go bad. It's a little stepper motor, and it works a door that either ducks heat or evaporator cooled air to that vent and does the same thing on the other side. And when it loses the counts that it needs to operate, then it may go to heat when it's supposed to be on coal and so on as that. What's going to happen is on the hottest day of August, it's going to lock up on heat, and you ain't going to be able to get it off. So you need to get that taken care of. Not too big of a deal. That one is actually the easiest one of the four to change. It takes about an hour to change it. The okay. one on the right is not too bad either. It takes about an hour and a half. Now, the one for the recirc and for the mode, you got to pull the whole dash out and change those, but they don't go out near as much. So, basically, we just go in with a scan tool. It's going to have some code set in the body control module. We can tell you exactly that is it. And just replace the actuator. That fixes it 99.9% of the time. Good deal. Okay. And, hey, problem with the patches tonight. Yeah, sometimes yeah. they do, sometimes they don't. Sometimes pasture act up. For some reason, the left one acts up the most. I don't know why. I've changed probably 10 lefts for every right. And occasionally you'll get one, it won't go on recirc, and you get one, it goes to the frost, it won't move, and you got to pull a dash out. But that's by far less common. For some reason, it's almost always that left temperature that goes out. I don't know why, because same actuator left and right. Well, at least it's the simplest one. So yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, should have put well, a zipper on it as it as they go out. <laughs> We'll try to get into you next week. All right, All man. Right, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Sir. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. If you want to borrow the automotive, I would love to have you. 
That's one of those things. The way the air conditioning is designed now, they got a little stepper motor that runs mm-hmm. the doors instead of cables That's like right. they used to. Yep. Yeah. And they break a lot. Cables hardly ever give trouble. Yep. They go out all the time. But welcome to technology. That's right. Hey, we're going to take our one quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. West. Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. It just says Fallon. Oh, no. It's Fallon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know. Appointments with Fallon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair. Deliver it to Fallon. He will put it under his pillow for a week, and your style and cut will come to him in a vision. Seems like old Fallon has quite a gig going. Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, Think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape. So, how much does Fallon charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision, too. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Twin Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And you put a 225 in front of that. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. That's right. We sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from folks and hearing their questions and trying to help them out and point them in the right direction. Yeah, what might be important on the East Coast. May not be so important on the West Coast. Or vice versa. Or either way. <laughs> or north or south. You know, it did. There you go. There you go. Or even north Louisiana, south Louisiana. Now, that, that, now that, you got a point. You know, a lot of folks who are not from this region, they do not realize how different north Louisiana and south Louisiana oh, is. Oh, yeah. It's like two different countries. Sure. I mean, you practically need a passport to go back. <laughs> <laughs> the culture in south Louisiana is just so totally different. And it's not that one's better than another. It's just, just they different. are just drastically, drastically that, different. That's it. Must have something to do with the weather down here. I don't know. That or food we eat, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to our phone lines. Crystal, good morning, Crystal. Good morning. Yes, ma'am. I'm in the market for a minivan. Okay. I was wondering if you could comment on, on how often you see uh, big repairs on the Chrysler Town & Country. In my experience, Crystal, the Town & Country is an okay van. If you're planning on buying it and keeping it about 80,000 miles and then you're going to trade it off, you're going to probably like it a lot. If you're planning on keeping it beyond that, you're probably not going to like it so much. We see a lot of major repairs, but they are generally past 80,000 miles. And what folks do is they buy it thinking they're going to do that, and then by the time they get it paid off, they're really not ready to go plop down another thirty-five grand for another truck, so they try to push it out longer. And the air conditioning evaporator core goes out, and bam, there's $1,500 gone. And then the transmission goes out, and there's $3,000 gone, and... On and on it goes, and i got to say that is my experience with almost any domestic vehicle. They are designed to make about eighty to 100,000 miles. They do that pretty well, but beyond that, they get so expensive you just cannot maintain them. So if you maintain it longer than that, it would be worth it to buy the extended warranty? No, absolutely not. All that is, they're just paying for your repairs up front, and they charge, you know, they're making a profit on that, so they're just charging you enough to cover their repairs. If you're going to buy something you want to keep longer than that, Go look at a Toyota or a Honda or an Acura or a Lexus. Is there a, another minivan that would be lower on the maintenance? Yeah, your Toyota products, for instance, your Sienna or your RAV4 or something like that, or your Pilot or one of those, those can generally, as long as you take care of them when they're new, 
then they're going to probably make 200,000 miles pretty easily. You're not going to have that many problems down the road. You'll pay more up front for it, but you're getting a whole lot more, and you'll get a whole lot more when you trade it. Okay. Well, thank you for your help. All righty. Thank you. Boy, I, I know. Got that programmed in my mind. I man. know it. I, they got to get that line fixed, boy. Because <laughs> I can't change my whole way of talk. I can't change yeah. all my little vernacular. Now. That's it. So, here come Monday morning, somebody's going to get an earful. That's right. It's a number here at the studio. That's the local line, so that'll get you right straight to us. Correct. And be glad to try to hear from you there. If you go ahead and give us a call, get you some information. There you go. There's all kind of things we can talk about. That's it. Crystal's call brings up a good point, and I see this just every, 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 every day because somewhere, and I'm just going to put a number at 2007, but okay. I don't know the exact point, but somewhere around there, they sort of kind of changed the way they were building cars, and it probably didn't happen overnight. It's just kind of a process that somewhere around there is where it really started getting more and more prevalent, but Cars nowadays are generally designed to go a certain distance, and pretty problem-free, and they do that pretty well. Right. But because of the technologies that they put on them, the cost of maintaining them much beyond that point almost gets too expensive. Well, sure. And, of course, the first thing, well, I'll buy an extended warranty. Well, all that is is you're paying up front for your repairs. They're going to make a profit on that, so they know how much it's going to break. They add it back to you, and they're going to charge you for what it is. Sure. And they're going to exclude everything that really breaks. Right. Uh, that seems to be the biggest problem. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just not going to be an answer for you. And if you can afford to trade the car every 100,000 miles, uh-huh. that's great. And a lot of people think they can. But right. when they get to that point, that's when they learn that, well— I can't do that yet. I really don't have another thirty-five grand to go throw down on a new car. Uh-huh. So they're forced to keep it beyond that. Now, clearly, if you take care of any car, it is going to go more miles without sure. a problem than if sure. you neglect it. But even with good care, those just aren't designed to provide too much more than 100,000 miles of service. Correct. And if you need to do that, then you need to look at one of the imported vehicles like the Toyota or the Honda. And I own absolutely no stock in Toyota. I own no stock in Honda. I got no dog in the fight. That's right. It's just what we see every day. I'm just telling you what I see or don't see every day. Right. I got people who come in and the husband owns, say, Tahoe and the wife owns a Camry and they're both the same year and they both have the same number of miles. And his file's a half inch thick, and hers an eighth of an inch thick, and hers they, mostly all changes. And that's it, maintenance items. Yeah. So I mean, I'm just telling you what to see. Really and truly, people say, "Well, you sound like you don't like domestic cars." Oh, no, that's not true. I love them. Oh yeah, that makes they me make, a lot of money. I was going to say <laughs> it was about three, four figures every time they roll in. But you're, right. you're not going to like it much if you have to keep it past a hundred thousand miles. And for those folks who can afford to trade more often, well, it's not really too big of a point because most any car nowadays will make 80000 Even without a lot of care, they'll pretty much do All that. All changes and a little yeah, bit of maintenance service. Yeah, that's right, a little bit. But that's where the big, big dividing line is going to be. And I like the Toyota product a lot only because I see it going much further. Now, you do pay more up front. And right. You go right. to a Toyota dealer, they're not going to deal with you a whole lot. They're not going to have a 15000 off-list price stickers all over the windshields pretty much what they have on the stickers yeah, pretty close to what yeah, you're you gonna have to get pretty close to that because they know they can get it because it's a much better product also if you look at the used car market which is real indicative of the quality of a car correct because if a car has a lot of trade-in value it's because it's a very popular car and people don't want to trade them that's why they have a high trade-in value you look at some cars like particularly some of the european cars and they may cost 90 to 100 thousand dollars new you can buy them four years old for twenty thousand dollars exactly well, what does that tell you <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't as cool as they thought it was going to be. Exactly. <laughs> hey, let's go back to our phone. James, good morning, James. Good morning, sir. Yes, good sir. Good morning. 
Last week, y'all were talking about GMs there, the problems with the Sierra and Silverados and all that. Mm-hmm. And I've been last few months looking at GMs. And what's the deal with this active fuel deal there? Most That's of them a, burn a lot of oil. I mean, they, they burn that, two or three quarts of oil every thousand miles, and one thing. Any plans in the future you see of where they're going to fix that? Or oh, pfft, why? Yeah, <laughs> they, <laughs> they, sell, they sell them like they are. Why do they want to fix it, you know? Well, good point. My, my second choice is seriously looking at Tundra, mm-hmm. the uh, 4.6, I believe it 4. is. 4.7, yeah. No, not the big V8. No, it's no, 4.7 and a 5.7. The 5.7 is the big V8. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, well, uh, it's a medium uh, V8. Yeah, four a, good engine. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's pilot. a nice... We don't see much trouble out That's of That's a nice truck. Yeah. Now, do yourself a favor. If you're really considering that truck, go rent one. Yeah. Dri- drive it around for a week and see if you like it. Yeah. Because I can tell you, it's a lot bigger than what you're driving now, and they're extremely hard to get used to. Yeah, they have a big, heavy truck, man. That truck is actually... It's got to be at least a three-quarter ton. In my opinion, that's at least a three-quarter ton truck, maybe a one ton, the way it's designed. I mean, it'll haul 12,000 pounds all day long. And the only drawback I see to it is it's kind of over-designed in that it's not going to ride as smooth as a lighter truck would, and it don't get as good a gas mileage as a lighter truck might. But if you want a truck that you can haul whatever you want and it's going to last a long, long time, that's, that's the, the one, one for you. No, sir. Actually, I don't. It's an mm-hmm. ugly-looking truck to me. But yeah. see, I'm driving a Sierra right now, 2000. Yeah, hold on. I've got to take a break, and sure. I'll be right back to talk to you. We're going to take one more quick little break. Be right back more in the Automotive Hour. Linda, I've been so tense lately. Can you recommend a masseuse? Ooh, have I got a massage guy. Johan Thundercloud. He's Swedish Native American who uses classic deep tissue massage with natural healing methods. That sounds interesting. His deep tissue green pine cone massage is amazing. Along with the piercing eagle claw technique. Working your muscles with a rhythmic screech. When you hear that, you know it's working. I bet. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, check out the team at Agco Automotive. We keep it simple with high-quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And don't forget about Agco's general inspection, an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so your car will perform for the long term. One thing, though. Do you bleed easily? What? Johan will want to know. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Well, welcome back. If you join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. And just before the break, we were talking with James. And you know, James, Toyota also makes that Tacoma, which in my opinion is a little bit too small, and then they make Tundra, which is kind of too big. If you really like that particular size vehicle, there's nothing that's going to be exactly the same, I can tell you. Tundra is a much, much heavier truck than a Silverado, and then the Tacoma is a smaller truck. So you kind of darned if you do and darned if you don't. It just depends on what you're going to try to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm uh, riding in a Sierra right now, 2000 model. That well, I'll tell you right. what, and unless it's got a major, major problem, nope. I would tell you I'd have to keep what I got because you got better than you're going to get. That's what I'm starting to figure out there. I'm going to tell you what, I'm driving a 2002 model right now, and if I had to put a motor and a transmission in it, I would do it because it would still be cheaper than another one, and I got a better truck than I'm ever going to see. I mean, I I have done almost nothing on that truck in all the years I've had it. That's me, and a fuel pump and a compressor. Well, that's Uh, a given. That's going to happen on any of them. All of them, but, man, at least you ain't putting transmissions and fuel management right. and this that and the other and actuators under the dash and the instrument yep. cluster and 
Yeah, I think I'll just hang on to that. The only concern I remember you said a while back that the 4L60E, mm-hmm. about 180000 or so, yeah. that they start getting problems. Not this, yeah, but this. you know what? I, yeah, but I can rebuild that for about... Twenty eight hundred bucks, you can build it, and ain't never gonna give you trouble ever again. It's better fixed. than better than GM built. Better it. than it ever was right. before. Right. And I mean, what's that? About four payments on another one, three payments on another one. That ain't even sales tax on another. Exactly. One. Yeah, and then I you know. got a six speed in that new one. You can't even hardly rebuild it. You know, you're talking five grand to rebuild that thing when it goes. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm gonna do that then. Uh, I'm just going to keep what I got. That's my. Well, I tell you what, there's a lot of people doing that. Yeah. Trying to. Trying to. Okay, I might talk to you later about just before that transmission going out. Just go ahead and rebuild it. Well, you can do that. Just wait. I mean, it's, I've seen some of them go three hundred thousand miles. Sure. You know, they're. I got to say, a lot of them go out that miles, but not all of them. It's kind of like people. A lot of them die at seventy-five years old. My mom yep. was ninety-three and still going strong. So, but not but one man behind that wheel neither. That's right. Yeah, that's even better. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, appreciate the help. All right, James. All right. Sir. Thanks, man. Bye, bye. And Mike's been patiently holding. Good morning, Mike. Hey, how you guys today? Doing, Doing great. great. It's a quick question, probably an easy question, but um, I changed to synthetic oil. I've got a, a landscape service. And I've got a Silverado 1500. It's a 2004, and I'm, I'm carrying a relatively large trailer with all my equipment and everything on it. Yes, sir. So I changed to synthetic oil. We're doing probably 80% city driving. Mm-hmm. I don't get on the interstate too much. Is there, I mean, is there any fact to it that you can extend your oil change, or should I still keep it at? I usually change around 4,000 miles when I use an organic oil. Yeah, I would not synthetic go any longer. Shot. No, synthetic is not going to go any longer, Mike. Synthetic is going to give you better protection, okay? okay. But it's going to actually get dirty faster than regular oil because of better detergent. So well, it's going to pick up more of the crud that's in the engine. It's going to pick up more of the liquid contaminants. It's actually going to get dirty faster than regular oil. So if the goal is to extend all changes i think you're wasting your time if the goal is to get better protection then i think you're doing the right thing well i just want to better protect just because it's you know i'm putting it's a heavy load every day, well, yeah, day in and absolutely day out. i agree right. and, and i run synthetic oil in every vehicle i own oh you do yes sir and i change it three thousand miles because every bit of my driving's in town stop go stop go stop go yep, yep, and yep. i need that protection but that being said, I would not ever go longer. I would rather see a fella use regular oil and change more often than use synthetic and try to go long. I okay. think you do yourself a real disservice by extending those intervals out. You're way okay. better off to change three to 4,000 like you're doing, especially heavy load, just hot, hot, hot weather. Right. I mean, you think about it, what's an oil change cost compared to a new truck? I don't know. <laughs> and see, the the thing is with older vehicles, a lot of people really mess up because as a vehicle gets older, they take less care of it. So, well, it's old. Okay, but, you know, an older vehicle needs better care than a new vehicle. Just like a young... Actually, yeah. Actually, I just bought this truck. It's a 2004 Silverado. But right. I just bought it last October, but it had a hundred and... Yeah, I mean, it's... Like 110,000 yeah, miles 10 on. years old. It's, it's right. a midlife truck, so it needs better care than a new truck would. Just like right. a, a man my age needs better care than a young guy. Guy 22 can do things I can't do. Right. You know, I'm still going to stick around a little while, I hope, but I got to take a little better care of myself. Okay. Well, All that's right. good because it got it service and then the uh the little light came on the dash saying you know change engine oil mm-hmm. and it's not low it just said i guess it's just no, it got set you know. so many miles or right. so many different uh, factors okay. but so i was thinking well maybe i should you know ignore that or not but i guess i need to go and change oh absolutely yeah i would definitely under your condition i'd be running synthetic oil and i'd be changing every three four okay all righty sounds great thanks. all right mike thanks man bye-bye you want to be part of the automotive hour we'd love to have you and we've got earl online good morning earl yeah, I just had a quick question. My wife's car is an 06 Honda Accord. Okay. V6. 
And she only drives it. It's got like forty five thousand miles on it. Okay. She only drives it maybe once a week to mm-hmm. town to the grocery store or something like that. Yes, sir. Is that good uh, for a car to sit up and not no. be driven? No, that's the worst possible service you can do to a car, Earl. It's right. extreme service. Yeah. Yeah, it's just going to require a lot more maintenance to keep that car going a long time. It's just like a guy who sits around and watches TV all week, lays on the couch, and then gets up and walks around a little bit on the weekend. He's not going to live as long as a guy that moves around every day. Yeah. So that car is under what they consider extreme service. You read their definition of extreme service. If your average trip is less than five miles, if you are operating in stop-and-go traffic, if you're not taking any long trips, these throw you under the severe service schedule, although most people don't think about it that way. But you need to be changing all every 3,000 miles on that one. Don't ever try to push it out because it's going to get real contaminated sitting up like that you're probably going to go through a lot more batteries than you would otherwise because they're not getting charged as much as they should. I would also go to a time-based schedule as far as transmission service and all that because you're not going to put enough miles to meet the mile requirements, so you've got to go by time. Yeah. So you need to do a little more maintenance on it. That car could still last a long, long, long time under those conditions. It's just going to need a little more maintenance than one that doesn't. Is uh, driving it more often would help? Absolutely. Absolutely would, yes, sir. Okay, well, that's what I was wondering about. I was kind of worried about that, but mm-hmm. I'm, glad you, uh, I'm glad I talked to you oh, about yes, sir. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if she well, could take it out and put 20, 30 miles on it at one time, at least once a week, that would definitely help it. Okay. Get good. it up to full operating temperature, you know? All right. Well, good. Thanks. I appreciate uh, okay, it. Okay, Earl. Thanks, man. Okay. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, and we got Mike online. Good morning, Mike. Hey, look, I got a couple questions for yeah. y'all. I got a truck I'm proud of. It's a. 2002 Ford F-150 with a six-cylinder. Oh, yeah. Good truck. 360,000 miles. Mm-hmm. Never had I see that all the time on that little six-cylinder. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. That's that, that old six-cylinder. The new one ain't too much pumpkin, but that old one was real good. Hey, I'm hoping it'll last me another 300, but I don't. It may. It may. But look. I got a. I want to ask the transmission change. Should I, I should just leave it along with that many miles on it now? No, huh? it needs to be serviced the same as any of them do. Okay, I was afraid. I'd heard somewhere where, like... Uh, that's that's a wives' tale, man. Yeah. Nah, that's bull. You know where that comes from, Mike, is a guy goes 300,000 miles, never services it. Well, the 300,000 miles kill the transmission. Then he goes service it, well, it fails. Well, if you wouldn't have serviced it, it would have failed. You know, if it's going to fail, it's going to fail anyway. Okay. But you may buy yourself some time by doing a proper service. All right, well, I'm going to do it, and then I, heard, I always hear y'all say don't do that. Do the thing where they change the filter. The filter. Work. Do not do a flush, and be sure you put the right fluid and all that. You just need to get somebody who knows what to do and to do it. But, no, the, a service, a proper service can never, ever hurt a transmission. Not uh, ever. Well, good. I'm glad I called it. Yes, sir. I mean, it would have been better if you serviced it sooner, but, I mean, that's water under the bridge. You can't do anything well, about I'm, that. But I've put about four or five on it since I've had it. That's probably not enough with that many miles. But, mm-hmm. but look, my air conditioner. Mm-hmm. Your conditioner is blowing cold, but all of a sudden the switches, all it wants to do is blow out of the bottom at your feet now. I'd have to look at the way that one's made. I'm not completely sure. If it's a vacuum-operated system, most commonly a vacuum line has either broken or come off. If it's an electrically-operated system, most likely going to be something in the control head. And right around there is when they switched over from one to the other. And I'm not sure, if you look under the dash, you see a bunch of vacuum lines under there. It's probably a vacuum-operated system. If that's the case, that's a relatively easy fix. If it doesn't have any vacuum lines under the dash and it's got all electrical, I'd have to check service data to see. I just don't remember how that one operates. But the ones with the electrical system, it'd probably be something either the control head or something like that. All right. All right. Well, look, I appreciate it. All righty. Thanks, man. 
right. You're a part of the Automotive Hour, and we've got Neil online. Good morning, Neil. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I have a question on a 1973 Ford Bronco. Okay. So I'm changing a disc brake caliper on the front, mm-hmm. and I'm unsure if it has synthetic or regular brake fluid in it. Does it matter? Like, Well, yeah, it, it does matter. matter. It would depend on – the only way it would have synthetic is if someone put synthetic in it because it came from the factory with regular dot three. Right. Now, if someone converted the system over to synthetic fluid, they would have had to change every piece of rubber in the system. Okay. And the synthetic fluid would generally be purple in color. It would have okay. a, purple, a purple tinge to it. If it's kind of amber colored or most likely be brown or black at this age, uh, it's going to be regular brake fluid. Now, I guess the point is, if you don't know, you can go from synthetic back to dot three, but you can't go from dot three to synthetic. Okay, good. So, so I, if, if I'm going to error, error. Right, if you flush it all out and put dot three, if it had synthetic before, it's not going to make any difference. But if you had dot three in there and you put synthetic, it's going to come apart. Okay, I appreciate it. All righty. Thank you. Okay, Neil, thanks, man. Just about answered all that big old block of questions there at one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a ton of folks call all at one time, but you got all our lines open right now. Got them all handled. Just give us a call. And we'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Back to that synthetic brake fluid and the mm-hmm. regular dot three. The only reason to go to synthetic is for corrosion protection for your right. paint, or if right. it gets spilled out on paint, synthetic brake fluid dot five will not eat the paint up. That's right. Dot three is very corrosive when it gets out of the brake system. That's right. And the synthetic, the true synthetic, the dot five fluid will not work with an anti-lock braking system. Correct. It will actually foam. It'll aerate uh, if it's pulsed too fast, so they don't use it with those systems. Now, there's also some what they call synthetic dot three. Correct. As long as it says DOT three, that is a dot three that's made out of something other than alcohol, and that would be compatible as far as I know. I don't like using it just because I don't like the you know, the, yeah, the wording of it. Yeah, the wording yeah, of it. I'm not if, sure. If it, needs, if it says synthetic, it needs to be synthetic. Well, and, and I don't know exactly in the what course of what that is, but if it says DOT3, dot three, or even if it says DOT4, the only difference in dot three and dot four is the initial ballpoint is slightly higher on, on dot four. four. Correct. However, it will contaminate faster than dot three because it has more alcohol in it. Right. So a lot of European cars call for dot four, and that's what's supposed to go back in those. Most domestic and Japanese cars are going to call for dot three. Correct. Now, if it says dot five, that is the true synthetic fluid, and right. that cannot be put into a system with anti-lock brakes. You That's, see that a lot on the older classic model cars, right. things like that. When things people that people have restore restored. Car, they will go to that for good reason, but right. it's not something you can just add to a system. It has to change every piece of rubber in the system to go to, to Correct. that. So anyway, that's all you might ever want to know about. <laughs> <laughs> synthetic brake fluid? That's right. Let's see if we can catch a few of these calls. We've got Henry online. Good morning, Henry. Yes, good morning. Yes, sir. I've got a 92 Chevy pickup truck. Okay. V6 engine. Mm-hmm. I drive, uh, let's say, 15 miles with it and drive it real hard, and I've got this run for up. And I had it checked out. Nothing wrong with the internal parts of the engine. I was just wondering what causes that. Just would have to see it, Henry. It could be any number of things. Just going to pin on, you know, what's right. It says 93 model, you said? Yes, sir. Hmm. That's the old. It's not the, it's not the new big engine, but the, the older one. Matter of fact, they don't even have the, uh, some shops don't even have the, the uh, computer to. Uh, yeah, you need a tech right. one to actually communicate with that one. But that's a 4.3 with a throttle body. 
right. uh, yeah. injection on it. Yeah, it doesn't have the central port injection no. like the newer ones has. That throttle body was a real, mm-hmm. real good setup. It gave very few problems. The only thing we ever saw was the regulator yeah, that reg- would go out and leak on it. And that could cause that problem, Henry. If the regulator leaks, what it'll do, it'll run perfectly normal when you're driving but what it's doing is leaking fuel but the fuel is running down inside the throttle by so it's just pulling it up the motor and burning it anyway and when you're driving down the road you never know the difference but when you come to an idle it can cause it to kind of flood and stumble and right jump it makes around. a rich rich condition on it Right, so that is one thing, and you can repair the regulator on that. You don't have to replace the whole throttle body or anything, but that's one thing. Of course, another thing could be a vacuum leak of any sort, and that will make it run rough at idle, and it's going to be probably worse whenever it gets hot and maybe something opens up. Another thing could be like an EGR valve that's sticking on it, because when the EGR valve sticks in an open position, it acts exactly like a big vacuum leak. Pintle doesn't come completely to its closed position. Then what it's going to do is it's going to leak exhaust gas into the intake so it's going to run rough when it's hot and it's going to you know stumble and all that but i can't see any reason under the sun why any competent shop couldn't find that i mean that should be relatively easy to find if you got the vehicle there looking at it well it took several shops and they don't have the computer to yeah but you don't need a computer yeah, to diagnose that that's no. man that's falling down simple i mean that's that's okay. not anything you gotta have a computer for okay okay Okay, then. Well, I appreciate it. Now, too, if I want to bring it in to get it thoroughly checked out from you guys, uh, yes, sir. set up an appointment? Or what? Yes, sir. If you just call Elaine, she'll set up a day to bring it in, and I'd say just bring it in, drop it all with me in the morning, pick it up that afternoon. I'll drive it, see what it's doing, check it. I mean, I've got a Tech 1 if it needs that, but I would doubt that would even require any kind of computer hookup to diagnose that problem. That's going to probably be a conventional-type problem. Oh, okay, then. Well, I'll, I'll do that. I'll have you guys take it out. Okay, Henry. Well, thank you. Very thank much. you. Sir. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right, one last little break, and we'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. TJ, I've been looking to tone up, man. You have a personal trainer, right? Yes, I've got the guy, Mr. Miyago. <laughs> He's going to teach me how to wax on, wax off. Mr. Miyago's no joke. Oh, sorry. He begins by filling your shorts with wet sand to provide weight resistance and enhance focus. Then launches into a series of drills like crouching tiger hidden badger, fire monkey, flogging duck, and highly agitated dragon. Sounds kind of extreme. Yeah, bruh. Extreme results. Everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for the right automotive guy, it's Agco Automotive. We make it easy. Quality repairs and a staff you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, you get an annual checkup to diagnose problems that could cost you down the road. You will need to sign a waiver stating you are not allergic to pig intestines and live geese. I think I'm just going to hit the gym, TJ, but thanks. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll answer any questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call. Still got a few minutes. Got all our lines wide open. That's right. Right now is your last chance to get a live answer today. That's right. And other than that, you have to go to the website and send me an email. That's it. At least until next week. <laughs> <laughs> And I think, let's see, yeah, we will be here next week live, and in the following week we will have a recorded show. Which is uh, the weekend of the 4th. Yeah, July 4th weekend. Correct. I think I'll probably be off somewhere. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Off somewhere or another messing around. Uh Uh-huh. Anywhere but here. That's right. Let's go back to our phone line with Don. Good morning, Don. Yes, sir. I have a 2010 Ford F-150 F-by-4. 
Okay. Is that one of those views going to fall apart? One hundred thousand miles. <laughs> about well, uh, who knows, man? <laughs> the, the odds of that happening are probably way higher than they were on the older vehicles. Now, clearly, Don, if you take really good care of it, it's going to last longer. If you don't take care of it, it's not going to last very long. And unfortunately, if you follow the manufacturer's recommendations, like seven, eight thousand mile oil changes and that kind of stuff, it probably will. You well, got man, to, I do it every three thousand. Well, there you I'm go. That's good. Do yeah. That. yeah, do that. Use the synthetic blend oil, which you're supposed to be using. Use the FL five hundred oil filter, which you're supposed to be doing. And it's probably not going to fall apart right at that. It's probably going to go much longer. The problem you're going to have, as you well know, that truck is just loaded with technology. It's got all kinds of stuff on there. And a lot of that's cool. I mean, the radio you can talk to and all that kind of stuff. But it's just sooner or later that stuff starts breaking. And when yeah. it starts breaking, it's just got awful expensive to repair. Right. I'm sensitive to bring in for like a 75,000-mile checkup. Mm-hmm. The only thing that bothers me is the transmission every nine. Well, it doesn't do it a lot, but it'll slam in the gear. Yeah. Fluids or Usually second gear. Excuse me? Usually second gear. In that area. That's normally where we see failure on that one. It's got a servo in the case, and it's just a pitiful design. It's got a piston that moves in and out of the case that applies second gear, and what happens is that piston eats that bore up, and when it does, it starts cocking and jamming and slamming into second gear. Eventually, it'll end up breaking the case and stop moving. When we rebuild those, we've got a special tool that goes in, it bores that out, and it puts a steel sleeve in the case where the aluminum bore used to be. So now it's fixed. So And there's also a kit we put in the valve body when we rebuild them that has an internal regulator that drops the pressure down before it gets too high where it can't break the case and all like the original design did. So it's nothing that can't be fixed, but i got to say, man, 75,000, 80,000 miles, you ride about on time with that one. Is That's expensive. Yeah. Oh, Trans yeah. has to come out and be yeah. torn down. Torn down, completely down, rebuilt. Right. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I'm going to figure out the best way to commit suicide now and get back with you later. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, man. Thank you. All right. still got a couple of minutes. If you want to hurry up and sneak a call in there. There you go. We hear that, that call a lot. Oh, absolutely. It's a shame that, that it has to come to that. Well, and possibly if he had serviced it maybe once or twice between well, now, he might have put it off some. Maybe, but it's, but it's a design a flaw. Pitiful design. Yeah, it's going to go out at sure. some point. and. You can defray that by going out, by taking really good care of sure. it. Sure. But it's yeah. going to happen. I mean, it, it just. Well, it happens to a lot of folks. It, it does. It doesn't happen to everybody. Well, nothing happens to everybody. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, some things do. <laughs> <laughs> and some things just do, just do okay. happen at different times, you know? <laughs> there you go. But that is a kind of a pitiful design, in my opinion. It and is. You start getting up around that many miles, you're looking for a transmission, and. Well, they're you know, it's not it's, like they can't build a vehicle that doesn't do that. Sure, but they didn't design it that way. Well, yeah, and they kind of, you know, they know that this guy's probably got this truck paid for around that mileage. Exactly. So they're kind of looking to sell him another vehicle, and nothing's going to push him to that faster than, than a, a big old tram bill. That's so, it. Exactly. You know, kind of funny the way all that works out. <laughs> How about that, huh? <laughs> hey, we appreciate you listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week, and Go to iTunes and Stitcher and iHeart and give us a written rating if you can. That would really help us out. Well, that's right, because we don't get paid to do the show. We only do it to try to help folks out. And the way we get rewarded is by getting those written rewards there. That's it. By finding out that, hey, we're doing what we're trying to do. Moves us up in the list where a lot of other people can find us. There you go. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.